0: All right. Well welcome back tonight um to God's Word Baptist Church. Um I uh, uh I've got a an interesting little message that uh kind of kicking around for a little bit. I had uh, talked a little bit when we were discussing things about change and that word discipline and the root word of uh discipline. You know, obviously um you know, you got disciple connected with it. And, uh, what a disciple is, is a disciplined person to follow a certain doctrine, belief, or individual. And, uh, I want to take a look at, uh, the way that Christ used that word, uh, disciple, uh, a few times to kind of outline what, uh, what, uh, what Christ communicates about uh, us as believers uh, about his disciples that he had following him, and uh, kind of what the expectation is if we're going to call ourselves a disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's there's certain things that we need to understand about that concept, about uh, uh, that principle. So, uh, Lord willing, we're going to get into it here, um, and uh, we'll just get started. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get going, dearly Father. Thank you again for our time and opportunity this evening to uh, study your word, uh, Lord, to receive instruction, uh to receive uh, the correct um, uh, guidance and direction for our lives as believers. And I pray, Lord, that uh, as we look to your word tonight, your Holy Spirit would just uh, communicate with us that our hearts would be ready to receive and willing to listen and uh, desiring to heed. Lord, I pray that uh anything that uh, could possibly hinder the work of the Spirit in our life, that, Lord, uh, those things would be put aside. And this time, Lord, would be solely for you and solely for your pleasure, solely for uh bringing you honor and glory. I pray, Lord, you'd just be with me this evening. You'd speak through me. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us this day already. And I pray, Lord, that we would just... Um, um, just enjoy the fellowship, one another here tonight, as we endeavor to study your word. And this I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so real disciple. You know, the, the, that word disciple is, is thrown out uh, quite frequently. Uh, for a time there, they tried to integrate it into business language, and they found that it kind of sounded a little too cult-like. So they, they they pulled it out at one point. I remember sitting on a meeting and they started talking about, well, if we're gonna go ahead and do this, then we need to make sure that we're making disciples. And I'm just sitting like, What? And I just, you just saw the confusion on everybody else's face. Like, what are you what are we talking about here? And they're like, Well, you know, disciples, somebody that's gonna follow. And they're like, why do not you just use the word follow? Why do you have to use the word disciple? Because it just sounds weird. Uh, so it, it didn't, it didn't go far with that meaning. But, um, but when we're trying to make a disciple and when, uh, somebody is trying to bring somebody over to a certain type of, uh, doctrine, and we find this with false doctrines today, there, there's people that go about doing that. Um, they, they, they have other individuals that are very disciplined. They go out trying to make these disciples. You know, the Bible talked about, uh, where Jesus Christ started mentioning that the Pharisees' disciples, saying when they go out and they find somebody and make a disciple, they make them worse than they were before. Uh, they don't help the person. They What they're doing is they're bringing in a whole bunch of uh, fleshly, carnal, worldly, uh, secular, if you will, humanistic doctrines, and it just makes the person worse. You know, and, and I've mentioned this before when it comes to, to counseling. You you have somebody that brings in, uh, whether it's uh, any type of new psychology or, uh, old, even old school Freud or anything of that nature, uh, it, it doesn't help the person. You know, there they are in counseling and they're listening to it and, and, uh, with the, you know, the whole Freud concept is essentially I understand what the, the psychological aspect of it is and what the real definition is, but I look at it as Freud would just find it, it was just finding a way to, to put the blame on someone else. Uh, he, he was, it was uh, all about the fact that uh, you were you know, mistreated as a child, and uh, let's go ahead and blame it on your mother and your father and, and your, your father's dog and your mom's cat and everyone else. You don't have to take responsibility for it because it's not really your fault. So therefore, you can just kind of try to deal with it. But you just need to, you know, go through this cathartic process of blaming them and confronting them and doing all the. And I'm like, no, no, no. That doesn't help. That isn't going to bring a resolution to a person's problem. They got an addiction problem. You can't just go and blame someone else for that that's that, that that's that's the individual's issue that's the individual's problem that they've created so when we take a look at this uh here this subject of discipleship and what a disciple is let's kind of start off with a a, a little bit of a basic understanding of what he refers to let's go to the book of matthew matthew chapter 12 <clears throat> matthew chapter 12 <clears throat> Matthew chapter 12 and in verse 46, it says, while he, talking about Jesus, yet talked to the people, bold his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him and told him, who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, behold, my mother and brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Now this is an interesting way to start this off, but you know, you, you see that, that the discipleship meant a lot to Christ because a disciple is somebody who is intent on doing God's will. So one of the very first things that we find out being a disciple is doing the will of the Father. You know, here we are looking at what the, the, the the mentality of the world is to follow after whatever theory or whatever doctrine is out there nowadays, whatever, uh, new type of thought is existing and, and, and it doesn't matter on either side. They've all got some weird stuff. But when we get to this point where, where we're seeing how basic it is about being a disciple, we find that he's just saying, look, First and foremost, these these disciples, they're like my family. They're, they're seeking to do the will of the Father. Anybody that's seeking to do the will of the Father, Jesus Christ is considering the person family. Now, now this has a great connotation to, uh, with it because what we realize is when we start talking about family, we talk about how close family should be. Now, look. So trust me, I understand when we start talking about family, the first thing that usually pops into a person's mind is family drama. And there's there's family, and then there's family. And then there's like, we're not talking about it. There's that. But but, but I totally understand the concept of what family is supposed to be. Family was intended and is intended by God... To be a close-knit unit that is cooperative, that is collaborative, that is working towards the end goal of pleasing Christ. That's what a family unit is. They're all related of blood. There's brothers, there's sisters, there's sons, there's daughters, there's moms, there's dads. They, they bring in the extended family. There's aunts, there's uncles, there's cousins. And you go back through and you find some of that stuff going on in Scripture about how close families are. And God considers family a very important thing. This morning we were looking at uh uh um, the firstborn, and we went over to Psalm chapter 89, and we found over there where he's talking about David and the seed of David, and um, essentially that the seed of David is going to be preserved forever. And how well, well, how does that happen? Well, it's through Jesus Christ. It's not, it can't happen in any other way. You don't see people running around saying that they're the king of the Jews today. But what we do know is that the king of the Jews, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, He is going to return, and he is going to establish his throne, just as he promised. And that's what that passage talks about in Psalm 89. But again, we're talking about family. Now, if there's family drama, you can find family drama in the lineage of David. You've got all sorts of crazy stuff going on. You've got all sorts of bizarre situations. Just like we have bizarre situations in our family. But that does not, if you will, uh, uh, um, exclude how close God relates to his disciples. The relationship. You know, you think of a disciple and and sometimes you can kind of get this mindset of what you think a disciple is. And you think of them a bit more distant. They're just somebody that happens to be following. Almost like a groupie. Somebody that just is is a tag along. Well, that's not a disciple. Because a disciple is somebody that is entering into this with a disciplined mindset. That is willing to engage in a serious form of discipline in their life to ensure that what they're doing is following Who is the one that is teaching? And that's very clearly what we see with a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I want to start off with this because, again, it involves the will of God. It involves the will of God, and it involves a closeness there. And And I will say this, and I will say this to the day I die. The reason that we often feel far away or distant from God is because we are not familiar with his will. And the reason we're not familiar with his will is because we have not studied it. Like I said this morning, I was wrestling with eternal security when I was young. It was because I did not understand the will of God. And I will be very, very, very specific. The will of God, in, if you will, is, is, is a very close, intimate thing. And what I mean by that is you're talking about what the will of God is, is his desires. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's the will of God. His desire is that all men would be saved. But we know that there are going to be those that reject. There are going to be those that refuse. There are going to be those that that turn away and say, I don't want Jesus Christ. I want God, but I don't want Jesus Christ. Well, you can't have it that way. Why? Because God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. You cannot, you cannot exclude Him from that. It's like trying to exclude part of yourself. It doesn't work. So here we are looking at this, this consideration of, of how close the relationship is. And I want to start from that point and I want to look at six specific items or if points about disciples. And discipleship. Turn over to the book of Luke in Luke chapter fourteen. <clears throat> Luke chapter fourteen. <clears throat> Luke chapter fourteen. And if you jump over there to verse uh, um, twenty-five, and it says, "And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters," Yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, in today's day and age, the word hate is often misused, misunderstood. And again, there, there, there's there's this understanding where people are going to look at this and they're going to say, wait, hold on a second, I'm supposed to hate people? Well, he's putting it in perspective of, of this. The summation of it is you need to love God the most. You need to love God the most. Why? Because if you put your own life as what you love the most, guess what you have? Not only are you narcissistic, but you have pride. And guess what? You have an idol. Well, what happens if you put your brother or sister in that place? That place that's specifically sanctified for God. You've got an idol. Children. Wife. Mother. Father. There are people that will do that. And the point that he's getting at here is, he's saying, "Look, if you want to be my disciple, you want to you want to truly follow me, not just be a tag along, not be somebody that is just uh, uh, floating around just for quote unquote the experience, the free food, and seeing of the miracles and getting a good show while you get while you get dinner." It's 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 this concept of you really have to engage in discipleship. You know what that means? It means you have to be disciplined to make sure that you're constantly asking the question, what is my love? What is my love? What was the problem with the church at Ephesus over there in the book of Revelation? They had left their first love. It wasn't, you know, if you will, whom they loved first. It was the number one spot. They, uh, God occupied the first position. The first position. Anybody else in here, like, really follow racing or, or like to, 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 you know, have any kind of concept about racing? I, I like racing. Um, uh, I, I specifically like rally racing, uh, and world rally cross. Um, and and I just I find it fantastic. World Rally Cross is great because it's not a, it, you're not sitting around watching cars go mm-hmm. 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 You've got this thing and they've got this thing called uh, they've got this lap and they've got this thing called a joker lap where it's a it's a much more uh, difficult and you're required to take this lap. But the you have to do five laps and and four of the laps have to be on the regular course. But you have to have this fifth lap. Take this joker. You can take the joker at any time. The first, second, third, fourth, fifth lap, whatever it is, and and you got to go through this, and it's it's a much more difficult, engaging part of it. Everybody has to do it. So you could be the leader, and then you take the joker lap, and you lose it. And it's just, I mean, it's an engaging sport to me, and I I really, really enjoy it. But I also enjoy the fact that there's no real pole position. You know you've got all of these uh, um uh, these positions with uh, oval and sometimes circuit style racing where there's a guy that holds the first position because he qualified the best. And I understand there's a little bit of that going on with the lineup that they do, but they're all lined up, they're all starting the same. And I tell you, you know what it, 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 that first that first lap is like a combination of MMA with cars. Because you've got five cars heading down this road, and the road begins to narrow, and all five want to be in the first position. So what are they doing? Wham, 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 wham. There's car parts flying everywhere. You know, guys' bumpers are hanging off, dragging doors are flying open. They're driving around as a wheel rolls off, and they're, I mean, they're just—I mean, they're just beating these cars to shreds. And I'm like, this is cool. <laughs> A little violent but it's cool right and then there are there they are going through all of that doing all of those things and 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 I look at that and I go it's all a battle for first and and it comes down to to where we have to look at that in our life there's going to be a battle for things that are first there's going to be a competition there's going to be a desire somebody wants first somebody wants to be first You know, you've got a family unit. Sometimes it's the kids want to be first. Sometimes it's the spouse that wants to be first. Sometimes it's the mother, the father, the mother-in-law, the father-in-law, the brothers, the brothers-in-law and sisters and sisters-in-law. And they all, you know, everybody wants to be first, right? You ever get that feeling that, that, that so many people want a piece of your time that you just can't, you can't be there for everyone, and you just get stressed thinking about it. A little bit of anxiety and you're just sitting there going, ah, 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 leave me alone. <laughs> you're just like, I can't take anymore. There's just no more space. There's no more me to give. There's nothing left. And it's all a Competition. But when it comes to a disciple, a disciple is somebody that looks at that and says, there's no competition. It's Jesus. He's the first. I cannot call myself a disciple unless I discipline myself into always choosing Christ first. He is my first love. He's my first love. Take a look down in in, uh, the the same passage. I want to point out uh, the second thing here. Uh, The first one is love Christ most. The second one is, as a disciple, you've got to endure difficulties. He's painting a really pretty picture right now. In verse 27, he says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know, the cross is a symbol of difficulty. The cross is a symbol of trial and affliction. The cross is a symbol of, uh, uh, of if you, if you will, having to endure some pain in this life. Now, praise the Lord, we don't have to bear a cross for salvation. That cross was already born on Calvary with Jesus Christ. The precious blood that was shed for us. The blood of his cross by which we are saved. That's already accomplished, but what we're talking about here is we're talking about somebody that's a disciple. And he's saying, look, if you want to be a disciple, you've got to understand this isn't going to be easy. This isn't going to be easy. You ever have that opportunity sometimes to like choose a job? Maybe, maybe you had like a, a brother or sister. If you're an only child, you may not understand this analogy, so I apologize. It's not the best one in the world, but hey, it works for me. Uh <laughs> But, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you, your mom and dad would pose and you've got some chores that need to be completed or something. And there was always one job that was easier than the other job. There's one that, that, that both of you, are, you know, like with my brother, we, we you know, we both mutually hate. And, and, and it was like, if, if, if you could do anything else to, to, to avoid that job, you were, you were gonna do it. You wanted the easy stuff. Going out and picking weeds out of a half acre plot of land, or you can fold the socks. <laughs> fold the socks is about as mundane as you can get, right? What, no amens on that one? I'm sorry, I, I thought it was boring to me. <clears throat> But you know, you you you've got that. Some of you are like fold socks. This is what the sock drawers for? You just take it and just dump it in, right? And then it's they, and then you hope that you're you're awake enough to go through and figure out and match the pairs, right? Okay. Anyways. <clears throat> so, <laughs> but you know, you, you got a choice, right? When it comes to being a disciple of Christ, there is no there, there is no choice. It's gonna be a hard road. Why? Because people hate Jesus Christ. They hate Him. They hate the Word of God. They hate God. They're gonna hate you too. You know what we see more and more happening? More and more we see people hating Christians. Hating Christians. I, I, I get a, um uh, kind of a newsletter and, and it's gotten to a point of where I actually, and I'll admit this, I, I just stopped reading it. Cause it, it'll either make you paranoid or super depressed. But, but I understand the reason why this guy's doing this. He's talking about, you know, keeping your, your, uh, your congregation safe and things like that. And he's talking about, you know, oh, okay, this church was firebombed. This church was vandalized. This church, they broke in and they sprayed graffiti all over it, horrible work, curse words. I'll never forget the first time I ever saw that happen. You want to know where I saw that happen? It was the church where I got baptized in, in the city where I got saved. Walla Walla, Washington, in the 80s. Somebody got really angry at White Temple Baptist Church And they carved a four-letter word on the doors of the church so that when you came to the door, the first thing you saw was that word. You weren't entering in to come in and seek fellowship. The first thing that hit you was something that you didn't want in your mind. I remember I was a little kid and I had no idea what that word meant. My mom's just like she just freaks out, and so she's getting you know pieces of paper to put over it and things like that. And I'm looking at it and I'm like using I'm using you know hooked on phonics to figure out the sounds. And then finally, I think I got it right in my head. And I look at her and in the loudest you know child voice because we all know that 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 you know little six six year old is, is 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 capable of just quietly and discreetly. Mom, what does... No, 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 no. It's, you know, I'm at one end of the hall and she's at the other end of the hall. Mom, what does... mean? And and, and she's just like... "Ah!" (laughs) You know, freaking out. (laughs) She's like, do not say that word in church. (laughs) Don't say that word ever. (laughs) But I'm like, I want to know what means. And she's like, you know. Uh, yeah, so I was a dirty little child. What can I say? <laughs> but, you know, people hate Christ. People hate churches. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know what you have to do? You're going to have to bear it. You're going to have to bear it. Why? Because you know what? We don't get the, we don't get the, the, if you will, the right or the carte blanche that when somebody says, I hate Jesus, that we get to punch them out. We don't get to do that. There's things that we have to bear. There's afflictions that we have to bear. There's books that have been written about it called Fox's Book of Martyrs. You want to see what bearing affliction looks like? Take a look at that. Read those chapters. Read what those people went through. Read the biographies of individuals like Jonathan Goforth and the horrors that he went through just to tell the Chinese people about Jesus. He was a disciple. You're going to have to endure endure difficulties. When you follow Jesus Christ, you're going to have to endure difficulties. Take a look here in verse 33 of the same same chapter. The third one that we see here says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. You know what this means? It means that we have to desire Christ more than the world. This world's got a lot of fancy trinkets. This world's got a lot of things that can pull us away really quickly, doesn't it? We can be, we can be off rails real fast. We can be not looking at Jesus Christ really quickly. You know what that means? It means you have to be disciplined. Not only do you have to be disciplined to make sure you're constantly checking what your love and your desire and your affection is, not only do you have to be to a point of where you're disciplined to make sure that you're enduring the difficulties the way that Christ asks us to endure them, but you're also being a disciple that is disciplined to make sure that your desires are in check. It comes down to this, there's a forsaking. There's some things you gotta walk away from in this world. There may be things that are big, but you gotta walk away from it. There may be things that, 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 that we deem that may be super important in a career, relationships, that we actually have to say, you know, I'm gonna to have to forsake that because I'm gonna desire God more. We have to forsake. We have to forsake. And it's all that you have. If you gotta knock on the door, you peek through and you see somebody there and they're kinda of in this weird looking robe-like thing, and you're like, what's going on? Like, Man, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons are really going to town with this. What's going on? You open the door out of curiosity, and there's Jesus. And he says, um, hey, Ken, um, I'm, I'm here to ask whether or not you're willing to give up everything that you have for me right now. Will you walk away from it all? Right now. Will you walk away from it all? Career, family, possessions. Like, you mean I have to walk away from my soul? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, everything. What would our response be? He's like, I want you to follow me. You realize that he did that with Peter and Andrew and James and John when he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You what they had to do? They had to forsake it. They had to walk away from it. Could you imagine? Peter was married. He comes home and he said, hey, you're not going to believe what I just... What a day I had. She's like, Yeah, what, what what happened? Well, uh I'm not going fishing anymore. Oh? Yeah, I'm gonna follow a man by the name of Jesus. Well, who's gonna provide Peter? Being a disciple is not something to take lightly. Being a disciple clearly understands the position that Jesus Christ holds. Would you be willing to forsake it all? Forsake it all to follow the Savior? Turn over to the book of John, John chapter 8. John chapter eight, here's the fourth thing. You want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to say you're a follower of Him. You know, in this day and age, we use the word Christian. You ever call yourself a Christian? You ever think about what that word really means? The root of it is Christ. To be a Christian is to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of him. So, yeah, it irritates me when people misuse that. You want to talk about appropriation of terms, that's one that's very well appropriated. People use it and abuse it, and they use it so loose that you're like, wait, you you know, you don't get to call yourself a Christian. Because a Christian doesn't do that. That's not Christ-like. You can call yourself a Christian all day long, but you're not. And when we look at this here, when it comes to what a disciple is and what a you know the desire is, in in, in verse thirty-one, he says this. He says, "Then saith Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, if ye continue in My word, then ye are My disciples indeed." You know what a disciple is? Is somebody that really, truly desires the Word of God and to follow it in obedience. That's what he's saying here. He says, continue in my Word. Not only is it only somebody that is engaged in it in a daily basis, in a constant, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, time, that just everything is, is, you know, using the Word of God in every moment of every day. But it's somebody that's also obedient to it. Because, look, I, I know a lot of people that study the Bible and they are not obedient. I know worldly people that study the Bible as a historical document. They're not obedient to it. They won't follow Jesus. They can't call themselves a Christian and they certainly cannot call themselves a disciple of Christ. So when we look at this here, what do we find? We find very clearly this one thing is you've got to be engaged in the Word of God in constant obedience. If we're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have to be constantly obedient. For those of us that have children, for those of us that don't have children, will have children later on possibly. You want constant obedience. Not compliance as we've talked about, but you want constant obedience. You want to be able to turn to the child, and, and you have visions of this, right? You, you have visions of this and of turning to the child and saying, child, yes father, would you, would you, would you please go take the trash out? I will gladly take the trash out because you have asked me and I am willingly obedient to you because I love you. Oh, such a good son. You obviously know boy. Yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> I, I was one of those boys It was like, take out the trash? What? Ew, gross. Really? You know what's in the trash? That's why I want you to take it out. Take it out now. Why? Now? I'm playing. No, take out the trash now. You know, that kind of conversation is usually what happens, right? Raising a voice. (coughs) Trust me, you know. (coughs) Brother, all I'm going to say is you don't have daughters. (coughs) (coughs) When you have a daughter, things change. Things change, you know. Boys, boys, you can be girls. (coughs) God made him very different for a reason, and praise God for it. Yeah. Praise God for it, and it will it will take uh, the, the the hardest, crustiest old soul, and soften it. Yeah, It'll soften it. But I'll, I'll tell you this: we want constant obedience from children. God says, if you're going to be my disciple, I just want you to be constantly obedient. And to be constantly obedient, you gotta know what I want, which means you've got to be engaged in my word. So what does he say? Continue in my word, you're my disciple. It's a prerequisite. The, the, he, he's outlining here, if you will, the contractual agreement. If you say, hey, yeah, I want to be disciple, all right, here's what you need to agree to, here's the terms and the conditions. So far we've got, you've got to love Christ the most. So far you've got to endure difficulties. So far it's a matter of uh, desiring Christ more than the world. Now it's, it's constant obedience. Could you imagine if you were doing that when you sign up for Verizon? You'd be like, I'm not sure I really want to sign up for you. And I'll tell you, you know, sometimes people see this and they don't want to be Jesus Christ's disciple. They're content having him as a Savior, but that's as far as it goes. And you know what? That's just not right. Yeah. My wife and I were having a conversation as we were coming in. God has ordained us unto good works. God expects us, if we're trusting him as our Lord and Savior, and he's given us forgiveness of sins and eternal life, he has an expectation of us. And that expectation is obedient to good works. Do what is right. Righteousness. Be, be perfect. Be holy. Those are the expectations. That's what he asks of us. Tough things. Tough things. But which is tougher? You trying to earn your salvation or being gifted salvation and God willing to work with you and help you along the way, understanding your failings, forgiving you and having loving, tender kindness to help you, and give you the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to help you, fellowship of the saints to encourage and edify. Which is harder? We can't even begin to remotely make up for the stuff that we've done. Because when we try to do that which is good, as Paul says, I do exactly the opposite. David tried to do that which is good, and then somebody died as they were moving the ark. I will say that's generally what it looks like when we try to do any works for our own salvation. And then what happens? We get mad at God. Just like David did. You know, if David had just done what God told him to do, it would have been fine. But that's what he asks of us. Continue in his word. Go over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter fifteen, and so far we've looked at some things that are kind of, man, these are these these are kind of some tough things. John chapter fifteen and verse eight, he says this. He says, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples." You know what his expectation is as a disciple? You're productive. You're productive. For those of us that have ever managed anybody, you ever have an unproductive employee? And you're just like, you so desperately want to fire him and HR's like, no, you need, you need to follow the, you know, like, but I don't want to fire him right now. And you're like, nope, gotta build a case. Praise God. I had a, a great HR manager teach me when I was uh, being given responsibilities of managing people. Uh, she walked me through carefully about how to do it the right way. And and the right way is 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 you stick to stick with your guns, and if you don't compromise and you stick with what you told them to do, and you continue to say this is the metric, this is what you have to attain, this is what you need to do, and you know, what eventually happens, you don't have to fire them; they quit. That's what we call a successful termination in the HR world. Yay! I made them quit. <laughs> <laughs> You're like that. Sounds horrible. It is because you know what happens when you do a termination: weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. It's not a pleasant thing. I've had to do that on a several occasions, where I'm just like, no, you, no, you can't do that. You're fired. You 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 failed every single step of the way. You're fired. This is, this is the fifth time I'm dragging you into my office. You're fired. You should know that. By the time you drag that person into the, into the office for that final, you know, if you will, warning, they should be half expected. They should come with their box of stuff, expecting it, and the word isn't even out of your mouth yet. They should be expecting it. But, God says, as as a disciple, he just wants you to be productive. God does not like laziness and idleness. If there's one thing I have seen in Scripture, is God doesn't like it. Again, I'll be a little transparent. I was a little sluggard when I was young. I was. Oh, man, if I could find the easy way out of anything, I found it. Man, I did not want to do it. It was like, man, it, you know, the lazy man's load, lazy man's way, whatever you want to call it. Man, I found it. If, if it was clean your room, it was like moving one piece of Lego at a time. Start building, you know. That was the mentality. Is, is again, I anything. I was lazy, and my mom she she found she brought out the concordance, slapped that strong concordance down on the table, listed off all the verses about sluggard and slothfulness, and guess what I had to do? Memorize those verses. No, no, this wasn't this wasn't like punishment. This was preventative. Why? Because she didn't want me to be the guy that gets fired for being the lazy man on the job site. That was unwilling to do the work. That was like, I want to get paid for doing nothing. Regrettably, we do that nowadays. All you have to do is start a YouTube channel. (laughs) Anyways, you know, I guess I could do that. I could start, you know, like I was talking about the fireside chats with Ken. No, anyways. I'm not doing that. Because you know what bearing much fruit is? It's not about the productivity of money and stuff. It's about are we bearing fruit for, for Jesus Christ? Do we bear the fruit of the Spirit in our life? That's the productive part are 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 we witnessing to people and and people are trusting you know trusting Christ as their savior now now again when when they trust christ as their savior i i, I get that, that we, we we often refer to that as the fruit but I'll tell you this just witnessing is the fruit that's up to them that's up to them whether they trust christ or not that's up to them. Whether you're handing them a track, whether you're doing whatever it is, you're being productive with what God has given you. Are you bearing fruit? And he, he, he simply says here, he says much fruit. He doesn't, he doesn't quantify it. Because in other passages he says 30, 60, 100 fold. Because why? Not everybody produces the same. You got somebody that that, that that gets saved at an older age they they're not, they're not going to produce the amount that somebody that's a young teenager you know and and trust me, if you got saved at a young age, you can produce much fruit. There is no excuse other than just sheer laziness, and it boils down to, hey, look, God just says, I want you to produce fruit." Be productive. If you're gonna be a disciple, just be productive. Mike was talking about the field and Solomon walking past that, that field of the, of the, 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 the wall that's broken down. And, and, and the vines and everything is just destroyed because of all of the weeds and just how horrible it is. And he takes a look at it and he considers it. And it realizes that there's an individual that that, that that just doesn't care. Doesn't care. You know, I, it, me being me, and this is just my opinion. I'm not necessarily preaching this, but this when I when I read that passage of scripture, you know what I often think of the man that's void of understanding. You know what I think that is? It's like it's like the little son that inherited daddy's vineyard. It's the son that inherited daddy's vineyard. And what happens? That's not his vineyard, it's my dad's vineyard. It's always going to be my dad's vineyard. Why would I care about what my dad's vineyard is? Who cares? I don't I I inherited it. Fine, that's nice. One of these days I'll sell it. But right, but right now I don't care about it. I got better things to do with my life. I'm going to go live my life. I'm not going to be a person that goes over there and starts working in a vineyard. In that field, I saw how what it did to my dad and how hard work, how much hard work that was. I don't want to do that. I want to go and do what I want to do with my friends. Yeah, preach that one at a youth group. Look, you may have inherited something. And I'll tell you this, if you grew up in a godly family and you grew up in church, you better be thanking God every single day of your life for what you've been given. Because I'll tell you this, you've got no excuse. You have got no excuse. If you've been given something of the Lord and you've inherited it, don't disregard it. And I'll tell you this, every last one of us is a son of God and we have inherited something called eternal life. We are not disregarded and say, I'm going to go live my life and I'm going to go live with my friends and I'm going to go do what I want to do. We don't do that. We say, I will produce fruit unto my Lord. The last thing that I want us to see when it comes to this is over in John chapter 13. Like I kind of is the one that I I look at and I go is is probably one of the heaviest ones. And you're like, well, these are already all heavy. Yeah, I get it. These are terms and conditions. These are the legal aspects of everything. You know, it, it, those little pop-up screens that says, I agree to the terms and conditions. How many of you guys actually read that or just click I agree? Or you just go, oh, it's not worth it, and then you just, you know, move on to something else and look for the website where you don't have to click the terms and conditions. I'll tell you this. If we're wanting to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is what God asks of us. If we're going to call ourselves a Christian, this is his expectation. In John chapter 13 and, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, verse 34, He says, "A new commandment I I, I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, all men shall know you are my disciples, if ye love one another." How do we demonstrate to the world that we're a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do we get a special shirt, ball cap? Special pin. Do, do we do we get a new body? I wish. What 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 is it we get? We get a new commandment. The brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. What do we do? We've got to love them. Because you know what? That's how the world's going to know we're different. I'll tell you this. I, I've seen this. The left doesn't love each other. They claim to be the most compassionate, the most considerate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when you've got people on a hot mic saying how horrible the the, the left leaning media treats. Left-leaning speakers, people that are on there that they're interviewing, interviewing, and they say, oh, man, I like it when I go on Fox. And you've got somebody that's left-leaning saying they like it when they go on Fox because they treat me like royalty. That's that's somebody that's on the left saying that they like right-wing media because of how they're getting treated. Well, that's kind of a self-serving thing, but that's kind of sad. They don't even love each other. Oh, let's, let's let's just be clear. The right wing doesn't love each other either. Why? Good grief! Did you not see the mess that went on with the GOP in the House? Some of that stuff was just flat out disgusting, vitral, and and just I'm sorry, ungodly. The stuff that was said behind the scenes. These are people that are our representatives. I think some of them need to be recalled because of the stuff they said. A lot of it didn't make it to the media, but some of it is actually out there and published, and you're just like, huh. And they have rules, but they're like, oh, hey, the Speaker of the House isn't there, so we don't have rules. So we can say whatever we want to say and get away with it. Man, you remove the rules for one moment, you you know, as the adage goes, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Oh, man, alive. The stuff that went on, it was crazy. Let's not kid ourselves. The world lives by survival of the fittest mentality. And if they have an opportunity to get one over you, they will do it. Because they don't care. You're like, well, there's some people that care. Yeah, I get it. But a lot of it is because of a humanistic mentality. And let's just put it this way. The reason they're doing it is so that they can feel good about themselves, so that they can somehow satiate their guilt of sin. And you can't do that with humanism. The end result is, is, you know what God says? You want to be my disciple? You got to demonstrate it. Just love each other. Just love each other. You know what? I look at the, the the stuff that goes on in various different denominations, various different churches and things like that, people that claim to be Christians. I'll tell you this. There is not a lot of love. There is not a lot of love. Why? Because everybody's got their own agenda. Because you know what? They don't care about their fields. Because, uh, they don't want to be obedient. Uh, because there's things of the world that they desire more than Christ. Because they're not willing to endure a little affliction and understand if somebody says something that they don't need to take offense to it every single time. Um, you know, they, and they just don't love Christ the most. He says, look, if you're going to be my disciple, here's how you're going to show it. And if you're going to show it, or I should say, if the world's going to know it, you've got to show it. If the world's going to know that you are calling yourself a Christian and you're calling yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, the world should look at it and see something very different. I have a coworker um, that I've worked with for a long time. She's actually in another department now. Uh She was telling me the other day that... Um, Um, she, she went to, to go see a a relative that was having some hard situations. And the relative was trying to get this, my coworker to go to a church. And she started asking questions about the church. And, uh, she's like, no, no, no. And, uh, the relative said to the coworker, said, you, you just, you just don't, you would never go to church. And she said, you can't say that because the person that I consider one of my dearest friends and coworker, she says, he's my personal pastor and counselor. And I'm like, I'm just, I thought it was just a coworker. <laughs> and she said, if I was in, if I was in Ridgefield, Washington and I lived there, she said, I would go to his church. Why is that? and i'm not trying to boast on myself but she hears a different a different tone from me than she hears from others that claim to be christians she hears care she hears compassion i tell her about you guys only the good stuff <laughs> And she's like, man, you've got you've got a great congregation. She said, it sounds like it sounds like a church that she would love to attend. She said, Are, are you ever planning on moving to Pennsylvania? I'm like, no. <laughs> First and foremost, I've never moved to Pennsylvania. Well, I shouldn't say that. If the Lord moves me to Pennsylvania, okay, but he's gonna have to like physically move me like Elijah and Philip and things like that, okay? <laughs> It's going to have to be done in the spirit of the Lord, like, like that. Um, but I, I'll tell you this. You know what she sees? We, even with all of our faults, guys, even with all the stupid things that we do, me included, she still sees how much we care about each other. She hears about how much we love each other, what we do. And you know what? That's what people need to hear. When it comes down to what we as believers need to do, if we're going to say that we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're a disciple, we're a Christian, we have to demonstrate it. We can't have vitriol attacks with one another, we can't be vicious, we can't be unforgiving. We can't be filled with anger, wrath, and malice, and hatred as we see over in Ephesians 4. He says those things that shouldn't be they shouldn't be part of it spirit of God, but we should be tender-hearted, kind, forgiving one another even as Christ for or even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. That's what we're supposed to be. That's different than what the world offers. And if we think the world offers more compassion and care than a, than than those believers in church, then I dare say the body of Christ has got a real bad sickness. Yeah. Real bad sickness. So let's ask this question. Are we a disciple? Would we agree to these terms and conditions? And the answer is yes. If my Savior asks this of me when he has done so much, yes. A follower of Christ I will be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. and Thank you again, Lord, for just studying this out a little bit thinking about these things that you talk about being your disciples. Lord, I just pray that as we think on this and we consider it, that, Lord, we would have this maybe change of the attitude of our heart, maybe reveal some things in our life that we need to make a change with, to please you, to honor you, to truly be called a disciple. Lord, I just pray that... uh the things that we've heard this evening, Lord, would just be received with that spirit of meekness, the spirit of humility, The Lord, we would take these and we would desire to please you and honor you with all that we say and do, because, Lord, you've done so much for us. Salvation alone is more than sufficient, but you continue to give to us and love us and care for us, and provide for us, help us, and comfort us, correct us. All of it, Lord. There's so much more that we have from you. And Lord, I thank you for those blessings. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, may we be disciples that truly, truly would be close in that relationship, doing the will of God. I thank you again for this time and this I ask and pray in your son's name Jesus Christ. Amen.